All right. Well, I'm so excited, first of all, and now I will actually take it away, but just wanted to start with some good vibes. Yes. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Generation the Podcast, the audio companion to the HBO Max original series, Generation. I'm Wembley Sewell, editor-in-chief of Them. And I am Gigi Good, semi-professional girl next door. Today, we are talking to Daniel and Zelda Barnes, co-creators of Generation, Lukita Maxwell, who stars as Delilah, and Christina Nieves, who co-wrote the episode with Zelda and Daniel. But let's start talking about this episode, because it's the mid-season finale, which, don't get your panties in a twist, that means <laughs> there are eight more episodes to come. Wembley, can you please remind us what happened? Yeah, I will. I will get into it. So in episode eight, we see really everyone working together to help Delilah and Jay with their newborn. I mean, it's something that we've been kind of leading up to. So I think that there's just a general sense of like, what's going to happen? I think everybody's really on the edge of their seat. I know I was. And one of the really beautiful things though about this episode is that while everyone is still facing their own their own challenges each within the throes of their own personal struggles, they're still fiercely dedicated to their chosen family and mm-hmm. its newest member, this newborn. So we also we also see the entire school show their support quite literally, like yes. bearing bearing everything for Chester. Um, <laughs> even even when they don't really know what's getting to him, we see Nathan and Naomi making amends, and there's some new faces, some aching hearts, but ultimately this family really knows how to rise to the occasion. Yeah, it's it was a really like interesting and and fresh new kind of change of pace to this season that we've had so far. It's kind of brought a new layer to the emotions and kind of it, it almost felt so quiet, you know, the whole time. And it was just, I mean, aside from Chester in the, you know, in the <laughs> schoolyard, I'm, I'm mostly referring to the baby situation. But it was, it, I don't know, it was just, it was so cool and, and fresh to see. So um, I'm really eager to get into it. Me too. And and because this is the mid-season finale, we have so many special guests here today. It's, Lots. I think it's one big, beautiful roundtable. Is this the record or do we hold the record today for the most amount of guests at once? I think so. This is it, ladies and gents. We've got series creator Zelda Barnes here again. Hello, Zelda. Hi. And Zelda's dad, Daniel Barnes, who directed the series. Welcome back to the show, Daniel. Thank you. Yes. Plus, we have the honor of having Christina Nieves, who co-wrote the episode with Zelda and Daniel. Hey, Christina. Hey, hey. (laughs) And lastly, the most adorable person I've ever seen in my life, Lukita Maxwell, who stars as Delilah. We have been dying to talk to you, Lukita. You you come up in just about every episode of this podcast, (laughs) so it's about time you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Shall we get into it? Let's. All right. So at this point of the season, Delilah has proven to be a character with, I think, really strong conviction and I think really exemplifies this in episode eight with her maturity, handling what has been a very surprise (laughs) pregnancy. In fact, our very first impression of the entire show begins with the initial tension that is, you know, between youth and growth. And that comes by way of Delilah. Like, she is our first impression, our introduction to the show. 
And I would love to know, Lukita, what was your first impression of Delilah and what stood out to you about her? Ooh. Uh, Off the page, she was just so incredibly strong and so incredibly sure of who she was and how she fit into her world and her society, which I don't think a lot of teenagers can say of themselves. I couldn't say that of myself Mm -hmm, when I was a teenager. (laughs) But yeah, just uh, her confidence and her unapologetic tendencies, even if they're annoying sometimes in class. Um. (laughs) For sure, yeah. But I want to know from Daniel and Zelda, where on earth did you find Lukita? Yeah, so um, our casting director, we were working with a casting director on the pilot, Carmen Cuba, and she's amazing. And um, she brought Lukita to us and we saw her first auditions, her first self-tapes, and we were like, oh my God, we love her. And she was actually 17 at the time and we weren't supposed to um, cast minors. And so we were worried that that might be an issue uh, potentially legally. And so we, yeah, we kept bringing her back and we were fighting really hard. And I'm so, so glad that she's a part of the show because she's so perfect for Delilah. She was also, by the way, had just started uh, college for architecture, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so then we also kind of felt a little guilty, like, oh, God, we don't want to pull her away from (laughs) school. (laughs) But then we couldn't resist. More more things. She was so so good. But the thing was, her the scenes that she read, you know, were the scenes in the pilot. And she was so funny and really nailed that kind of, like, social justice warrior kind of passion in a way. But then revealed like these all these other layers of um, humanity and poignancy and like these skills with drama that were so critical for this character and is able to do it in a way that never gets sentimental, which is also really key because well, we could have spent a whole podcast talking about how we want to tell adoption stories and what's important to us and like <laughs> how we don't want to lean into like tropes of like shame and regret and all this stuff. But <laughs> it was like the person who pulled this off is Lukita. And I and I just want to call out a moment in this episode when she goes into her room, you know, she's like, oh, I have to stop off and pick up some books and uh, stuff like that. One of my favorites. And that thing, you know, when we wrote it, Christina and Zelda, you remember, it was always like, can this moment be pulled off? Yes. Because There's no dialogue and this girl has to walk into a room and we have to see her take some books in a shirt and understand that she's like suddenly realizing that she, in the course of a day, has grown up, like has changed entirely. Who she was in the morning is not the same person that she is now. (laughs) Well, that's what it was like to watch Lukita do this scene. And it was like, but she just, now I want to curse, just fucking stands there and looks at that photograph and then looks out again and you you understand it all. There are not many actors who can pull that off. And Mm-mm. Lukita, like, God, I, I still look at that and I'm just amazed. <laughs> it's Christina. I have to co-sign that and say, too, I was, I was ready to write you a fan letter. I was like, it's going to be weird. She'll know me. But oh my God, that feeling of like, the thing you dreamed would this moment would be that felt so impossible, like Daniel's saying, because it's just loaded with so much and it, it completely internal for the most part, although we visualized it as much as we could. Like it was just was so clear and so complex and so it was gorgeous. Um, full. Yeah. That the uh, your work of the whole season, but especially in our episode. <laughs> <It was> just <laughs> beyond, beyond. Oh my God. Thank you. 
my oh i'm crying (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, i mean she definitely adds to the air of what is so prevalent right now in today's like young society which is like cancel culture and like what to say and what not to say what's pc what's wrong and you know what um what companies you can you know support and (laughs) what you can't and it's it's almost a bit of a caricature of it in a sense but it it again brings more attention to the fact that that is so prevalent and i almost like that it's in a sense making fun of it but um in this episode you know we've talked about this quite a few times it's one of my favorite subjects it hits home for me and um that is the the concept of a chosen family in this episode, the the concept of all the characters in this chosen family is is very clear, and they get to explore and navigate and support each other. Quite frankly, they've come together in ways that really don't require m- much words or or actions, and you can see that close to the end of this episode, especially. But I want to play this clip that really captures that notion. I couldn't have, um, you know done just thank you uh-uh no you don't thank your sisters i'm adopted no i wasn't i wasn't sure yeah it's this whole thing with my birth parents or or like if they had not got stuck at a red light they would have made it to the cbs before it closed and then they would have got a condom and I wouldn't have been born. That one scene, is, and that's kind of what I was talking about when I was like, it's so nice to have something so quiet and just like, you know, you have nothing to listen to but these people's voices with, you know, nothing layered over it or anything of that sort. And it's it, this hit home for me too because I'm the same way with my chosen family and my best friends who live right across the street. It's like, if we're doing something for one another, there's never any sort of, transactional aspect to it there's no there's no sense of needing to say thank you or you know it's just implied that's what family is for so daniel and zelda i want to know how did you originally see the friend group approaching this challenge what's kind of fun in the pilot is that delilah as a character you see her in the classroom kind of going off on the math problem and then (laughs) riley sort of whispers to nathan oh god she's so annoying and then like you just see her at the party saying repeatedly I wasn't invited. And uh, like that is the introduction to Delilah. And I think we just really love that this character who is in the background would become this person who would become sort of a central focus for not just the, the series, but also for all of the characters. In fact, in that photo that's taken on the couch of... Uh, Nathan, Greta, and Chester, there's a fourth character that's out of focus in the background, and that's actually Delilah, um, which is just a little Easter egg that we put in for people who are paying close attention because (laughs) we knew that she was going to become sort of a, a focal point for the whole series. For sure, yeah. But, Lukita, I'm curious, once again, because this is a topic that just means so much to me, I want to know if, aside from this cast, who you've clearly become very close with, and aside from your immediate family, do you have a chosen family? Like, have you found yourself a chosen family that has kind of stuck with you? Uh, oh, this is going to make me sound so lonely. Um, (laughs) I think that I'm in the process of finding my chosen family at the moment. When I started Generation, I was kind of in that 
in between of high school and college of letting go of like high school friends and building those friendships with new college friends that I didn't necessarily find. And then, yeah, Generation has become my chosen family at this time. And I think oh. that this, <laughs> at, at this time, especially in my life, this show came at the perfect time for me personally, because I feel like in these last years of my high school and then into these post high school years shooting the show, I've found and discovered and been able to have conversations about my queerness and about my identity, period. And I've found that safe space in this cast and this generation family. Um, so, no, that doesn't make me sound lonely at all. I have this wonderful, beautiful family. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say. There was something really magical from Zelda and my perspective about watching this whole cast come together. Because, of course, when you cast each person separately... You have no idea what kind of person they are, and um, to see them come together in this in this way echoes kind of you know the the theme of the show as you're talking about about chosen family and that monologue that you played you know that um, Nathaniel Alexander delivers so exquisitely is kind of all about the randomness of how um, miracles occur. And a lot of, by the way, what she's talking about in the monologue is based on a true story. I mean, it's based on things that Zelda's birth mother said to us about how Zelda ended oh. up in our family. And it, it, including, um, by the way, when we asked Zelda's birth mother why she chose a same-sex couple, because that was like 19 years ago, and it wasn't like now. Yeah, and every, totally. like Every like, same-sex couple is like, it's like a dime a dozen. And she said... <laughs> Well, um, my best friend in high school was gay, and I love the show Will and Grace. And that's something that <laughs> the character of Ariana says in, in that monologue. But that whole thing yeah. is about kind of the, the all these like miraculous coincidences that have to go into place to create a chosen family. And it was true of this cast. It was true of Zelda coming into our lives. And it's, you know, it's true of the whole, um, all the characters in the in the show as well. It's just kind of amazing when you backtrack and think about all those little things that have to go into place that these people are coming together. It's really quite beautiful. We're talking about episode eight of the HBO Max series, Generation. And we're going to get into a lot more after a quick break. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're talking to Generation creator Zelda Barnes, director of Generation Daniel Barnes, series writer Christina Nieves, and Lukita Maxwell, who stars as Delilah. Dan, Zelda, Christina, I I would love to know how you approached this this episode and and how those little miracles kind of came to life on the page and then ultimately on screen, especially tied to, you know, Delilah's experience with with adoption. It's Christina. I'll start by just saying, like, co-writing this episode with Daniel and Zelda felt like its own miracle for me personally and was such a lovely soul enriching process and it was really easy in a lot of ways like not to make it sound like it wasn't hard work we worked hard of course but 
it really flowed. And at that point, you know, we had such a respect and love and like jam going as a group that I feel like a lot of it really was quite natural. And we talked for a long time about, you know, specifically the storyline of Delilah and where where it was going to end. And of course, like wanting to honor that it was both an empowering moment and also a difficult moment and, and filled with so many emotions and kind of like how to honor you know, not make it seem like a, a binary experience or like it was one thing or another or, you know, but rather that it was just sort of an explosion of all of these really beautiful, complicated, complex moments for her and all the characters that were there. It was just so such an out-of-body experience, <laughs> like it being my first episode that I've ever written as as a TV writer and spending so long discussing this and, and, and working on it and then seeing it come to fruition in such a gorgeous way um, is just such a huge, I, I felt like I had nothing to do with it at all. Like and watching it was a whole <laughs> other thing that had nothing to do with me because of the talent of everybody involved. Sorry, I'm interrupting and I have to hastily <laughs> correct the record because like having nothing to do with you is just the wrongest statement well, I have ever heard. Thank you. <laughs> and I do think it's kind of a cool story because Christina was our writer's assistant when we began our writer's room. And, you know, for listeners who don't know the writers, they're there, they write down everything that's said in the room. You know, we have a, we tried to have a very egalitarian room where it was just like any idea people should say. And Christina would chime in with these ideas. But when Christina spoke in a room, it was just like, like pearls of wisdom dropping out of his mouth. They also just like couched in joy and humor. And so at really early on, Zelda and I like were like, we knew we were going to write this episode. And we were like, you know, I think we should like pull Christine into this. And so Christina took the first stab at the outline. So we'd kind of broken the story in the room. And then she took the first stab at the outline, which is this like 15 page document. Every outline, everybody knows is the most dull and boring thing ever. Christina's outline for this episode had us in tears. Like when she Aww. got to that part where she was talking about like the kids giving the gifts, because we had this idea in the room, but when she's like specified what the gifts were and then like found like, okay, so they're going to give this gift. And, but then like Nathan's going to pull out the chapstick. And, I love like, the chapstick. Was the chapstick. So good. <laughs> it was just like, oh God. And so then, and then we were like, well, okay. So she crushed the outline. Now she has to come write the episode with us. And, and so it was just like a joyous thing. But that itself was like a dream come true event, just like for all of us to be able to kind of collaborate on this together. Well, I want to, I, 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 could add on to, you know, the symphony of, of praise and, and all of that, because I am just genuinely struck by how good of a character Delilah is. And and I don't mean this in a very, you know, like everybody's like, oh, she's perfectly nice. No, I mean, like she seems like just such a good, grounded, intelligent person mm -hmm. who wants to be as informed and as engaged in the world as possible. And I would love to know from you, Lukita, as you were diving into this character, I want to know where you where you think that her just all around kind of good nature comes from and what you wanted to bring to the writer's vision of 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 this character. Yeah, I was talking to Justice about this the other day. There's the scene at the end of eight with Bo and Chester talking about the Dungeons and Dragons alignments and 
we were discussing that Delilah is lawful good. I think that <laughs> she is just inherently a good person and knows what she wants and knows what she needs from her world and the society around her and isn't afraid to voice that uh, opinion. But when she builds these um, friendships with Ariana and Naomi in six and seven, she's able to kind of let her guard down a little bit more and open up to these other characters and have friends for seemingly the first time in a while. And in eight, she trusts every single one of these characters so much. There is no word spoken throughout, you know, Jay coming to the bathroom or Greta coming to pick them up or showing up at Chester's house. They're all finding out about it, this incident in the moment, but no words are spoken. They know immediately that they need to help her and they need to, they want to be there for her. Well, I have to pick up on something that you said, and this is going to be a question for the entire class. You said that you were lawful good. And when Chester is talking about his crush, he identifies chaotic good rather than anything else. Like that, that meme, if you will, is the label. And so much of the show, I think, is rooted in using almost like digital lexicon as a way to understand, totally. you know, oneself. And I just want to know how that factors into a shaping of a character or narrative and just what being able to play with social media has meant to how you can build, you know, an entire story about about young people today. Oh God, I was so worried you were going to ask us what our Dungeons and Dragons alignments were. <laughs> that comes next. And I was like, that comes next. I was like, no, I could not answer Yo, that Yo, me question. too. I was like trying to imagine the squares. I was like, yeah. what's the middle? Yeah. I'm just chaotic, chaotic, so. <laughs> yeah. One of the challenges of this last episode was to to give some resolution to Delilah's storyline, but also be continuing all of our other characters' storylines at the same time. And, you know, again, like just a great credit to our actors because Chase and Haley, who play Riley and Greta, they don't exchange any words in this episode at all, but the tension between them is so palpable. And coming back to your original question about (laughs) social media, there's that moment where Chase types, I miss us. And it's like, I don't think I believed that a moment like that could feel emotional, even as we were writing it, but because of the way that they do it. And, you know, and when I say do it, I mean, I'm even talking about the way her fingers are moving on that phone. Like there is a tentativeness to that (laughs) that is like so emotional. And it was a bit of a, a revelation to see how you could use social media to convey not just story points, but genuine emotion. Watching shows that were created by adults that use social media often, it feels it feels kind of judgmental of teenagers and their use of social media, which I really don't like because, I don't know, I don't want to feel judged for something that's just kind of part of my language and part of my world and something that I use every day and so does everyone my age. I don't know. It, yeah. it feels very pointlessly judgmental when they when adults try to present teenagers as like always on their phones, always using social media. And um, like my high school actually did an all school screening of a scare tactics movie that was literally just like <laughs> it was like all these kids going to rehab because they played video games every day, like actual like rehab where they had to like meditate and like not be on screens for weeks at a time. And I was just a little bit like I understand that 
screens obviously are not like the most healthy way to spend your time, but also it is just kind of a part of our world now. And that's something that at the end of the day, we are going to have to accept. And so definitely representing social media as something just just in an honest, just presenting it without any kind of judgment or opinion was really important to us. Yeah. By the way, everybody should pay attention to the earrings in this show because I'm just thinking about it because Delilah wears those BLM earrings that you made, right? It's really interesting. I have never seen like accessories tell such a story for every character and like Chester, Ariana, like the other days, like, well, I can't give away stuff that happens in block two, but like she's wearing these earrings and it's like all that stuff. <laughs> it's really, um, yeah, amazing. Honey, that's, that's drag. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to to get a sneak peek at those uh those earrings, like you said. But yeah, it's it's amazing to to see. And I mean, talking about accessories, I feel like we'd be remiss to not go here and unpack what was, I think, you know, the scene with the most weight to it. Um, yeah, and that is the scene where everyone is giving the baby an item, and. You know, there was everything from CBD to Delilah's (laughs) feminist swag um, and even things that seemed meaningless, you know, you could tell were so important in some way to to each of the characters. And for all of you, I just want to know how you approached this scene and after, you know, it was on the page, what it felt like to bring it to life. Well, I'll just jump in by saying, I mean, this this was a really, really important moment to us, obviously, not just for the series, but I think for Zelda and me personally, because it was a story about, you know, placing a child for adoption and Zelda's adopted. And, you know, it felt to us like so often there are narratives about related to adoption that are shrouded in secrecy or shame or regret. And what we really wanted to do was to convey a different um, version of that story, which is about making a strong, responsible decision and something that really only Delilah's character felt capable of. I mean, Delilah, because she has so much strength, really understood the sort of the the power of that. And that was how we wanted to convey the moment. We wanted to make sure that it didn't feel like something, I mean, it, it is poignant, but not sad per se. And so that was part of the idea of, of giving the gifts and that and also that each of these characters in some way is projecting something on this child and carrying their own kind of narrative through it and and wanting to give it a gift and we always think talked a lot about our writers room like gen z like save our world please you know yeah. <laughs> and and i think that was what we wanted to convey in this moment too is that like this baby now can like go on and save the world even more. And that he was like Gen Z kind of passing on these gifts to say like, yes, go, go be the superpower that we need. And then all of the, you know, the characters, and you can see it in their faces, you know, as they hand over that gift, they're just like bringing all of those stories to that child. Wait, what is everyone's favorite addition there? I really do love the chapstick and $20 bill moment of Nathan's just because it's not, it's it's not about 
giving this child something big and important and meaningful. It's just about giving what you have in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's all he has, but it's enough and that's okay. And nobody's judging him for not having like something meaningful on him. It's just kind of like they're all just showing up and doing what they can do and figuring it out together. And that's kind of, I don't know, I, I love that what he pulls out is not useful or helpful at all to the situation, but it's just kind of like, it's still really sweet and it's it's him trying. It's so funny how like the choices that sometimes you doubt are the ones that resonate the most. Is I do remember, you know, Nathan with the chapstick and the dollar, the $20 bill specifically was in the outline. And then I think like very early on, like, you know, my first draft or something, I, I like doubted that choice and like put something else that he gave. And I remember immediately Daniel was like, where is the chapstick? What happened? <laughs> put it back. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I doubted myself. And that's like one of the one of the gifts that people most like comment on or, or like are charmed by. Or it's so perfect for his character it, it, too. Right. It's like because Nathan <laughs> wouldn't have anything like on him to like like anything special to give. It's just like what he has in his no, pockets. Yeah. Just a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way G- GGU described it as quiet because that was the thing that arrested me too. That I thought was just again so brave in its simplicity and in its beauty in the choices that were made like that go you know in my mind beyond the script because obviously you know I was part of the writing but in the performances and in the directing you know taking it that next level to allow it to stand as is and it's this quiet moment that sort of stripped down like it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it again because yeah just let it letting it stand and be as this and it's really earned I think as I watch like the whole season there's so many bananas moments and so much comedy and so much zaniness and then to have the like sort of maturity to just and this is when we get to be still and ground and come together is what what moved me the most We've we've spent so much time talking about like leaving, waiting, departures, emotional, like the emotional severance of 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 relationships and things like that. But I would love to end with you, Lukita. Where do you think we've left Delilah and, and where do you think she is at this point? What's next for her? I think that <clears throat> Delilah has always been very sure of what her future looks like to her. And she had mapped out exactly, you know, when she was going to go to college and when she was going to grow up and this moment coming out of the blue and kind of taking her by surprise and her having to grow up in this moment, I think matured her even more. She's a little bit scared by that and a little bit scared of letting go of adolescence. And I think that moving forward, she's going to want to try and find what a normal adolescence means beyond this event. I know I, for one, cannot wait to watch that evolution happen. (laughs) Um, And I want to thank you all so much for being here for this mid-season finale conversation. And yeah, we'll be here waiting for it to come back. Me too. Thank you all so much for coming. This is going to be our last episode for a little while, but don't worry. We will be back this summer when the second half of the series returns. So uh, stay tuned, y'all.
Generation the Podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by us, Gigi Good, and Wembley Sewell. The podcast is produced and written by Phoebe Hunter, written and researched by Sierra Kaiser, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Generation the Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.